This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Joe, we are live. What's up, everybody? December 19th edition of the Holy Smokes podcast. Yours truly, Joe Ferraro. Follow me online at Showdown Joe. And, of course, my co-host, as always, at Sean Ross Sapp. Give him some love online via social media, be it Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Always the new stuff. main event. The new – oh, wait till I tell Elias. That lots to discuss on this show, man. I'm, I'm liking the locks, though. Looking pretty good. It's coming. It's coming along. It's coming along. It's been about nine months now. Just a disaster. Just an absolute disaster. This is one of those shows, Joe, where Fightful really shines because there's not an event this weekend for anything. There's not. But we're plugged into an event that's going on the week after next in Ryzen because you're going to be there. Uh, We have a top 10 UFC fighter on the docket. We have a recently debuted Bellator fighter who is back in the news uh, joining us. Also, there is this pro wrestling versus MMA type of thing going on that I kind of got thrust into the middle of, which, I mean, why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I, yes. Joe? Yeah, I mean, lots of discuss. I mean, this UFC versus pro wrestling, it's just the two worlds, they intertwine, but sometimes you get two hardcore sides that don't want to intertwine. Unfortunately, too bad it does intertwine, <laughs> especially at Fightful. Um, Conor McGregor's back in MMA training. We'll get to that in a moment. Um, Michael McDonald, once again, breaks his hand. Tough news if you're a Michael McDonald fan. Totally understand. Uh, if you're a Colby Covington hater or lover, doesn't matter. He's going to be he's making headlines again, and he'll continue to do so. Um, Chill or Chase Sherman. Not sure if you guys know about his bad bet. Uh, he could be in big, big trouble. Uh, we'll get to that a little bit later on in the show. Uh, sad news in the world of mixed martial arts as uh, 
Extreme Couture or formerly of Extreme Couture, Robert Fallis, Fallis excuse me, uh, has passed away. The reports are um, it was a suicide. We'll get to that as well. Uh, we'll discuss a little bit of Ryzen. Uh, I'll be heading over to Ryzen uh, a week today. I'll already be in the air by this. You know, oh, definitely. I'll be on my way to Japan uh, exactly a week from now. I will likely be over the Pacific Ocean by this How point here. How long is that flight, Joe? Uh, well, I've got Toronto to Chicago, then Chicago to uh, Tokyo. I assume it's going to be about 12 and a half hours, 13 hour yeah. flight. Yes, so uh, I'll give my tips uh, and tricks uh, how to deal with that type of flight, but we'll do that uh, for sure. Um, and yeah, we'll have some uh, some funny characters uh, appearing later on, likely Michael McDonald, Curtis Blades, and whatever Sean Rossap has up his sleeves. Sean, where do you want to go? Man, there's just so much to get into, and, and one leads into to another. Like the Chase Sherman thing, we're going to take it from his bad bet to one of the things that he brought up. So... <laughs> Let's talk about this bet that he made <laughs> during the UFC on Winnipeg show. First off, I just want to say, uh, Vinny Fernando saying Chase Sherman got to stay relevant somehow after getting his getting put on his ass in 124. I like Chase. I like Chase a lot. He is a good dude. I don't think there is anybody close to him in the MMA social media game. And I mean, like, if Chase Sherman is the UFC and everybody else is Bellator or lower as far as social media game goes, maybe Angela Hill is up there. Like, maybe her. Other than that, it's Chase Sherman and everybody else. Uh, Elias is really good, too, but I just think that Chase is in a league all of his own because this got an insane amount of play, enough, enough to where we ran a story about it, Joe. Yeah, yeah. Um, Chase is a great guy. I've had the opportunity to call, uh, I think, two of his fights at Titan, um, or just in general. He's just a nice guy. He's funny. He's huge. Uh, but I like what he does on social media. I think it's funny. I think he he interacts very well with the fan base. Um, and and these bets are are, are crazy. And this bet that he has right now, uh, I, I don't know what's going to come of it. Probably nothing, Sean. But um, he's crazy. I just thought it was great. He said that if the Perry Ponzinibbio fight went to a decision, he would tie his hands behind his back and let Francis Ngannou punch him. And his reaction to the situation was phenomenal. I just thought it was great. He really played it up. Uh, it was it was great. I mean, it got him a lot of publicity. Like, And I mean, I, I like Chase, so I don't want him to die. I don't no. want Chase to die. <laughs> and as I said, I mean, our boy Curtis Blades, who's appearing on the show, courtesy of James Lynch, I said he should immediately be ranked number two at UFC heavyweight for lasting two rounds with Francis Ngannou. Just... There you go. It, that's that's the rub if I've ever seen one, Joe. Yeah, big time. I mean, Curtis Blades just anyone that can go more than almost like three minutes with a Francis Ngannou. I think even three minutes is a lot. Like maybe ninety seconds to two minutes because he, he's he's a stalking fighter. He will stalk you. I mean, forget about the Alistair Overeem absolute highlight reel video game knockout. Ngannou, if you watch his fights, is a stalker. He will stalk you. He will inch by inch cut down the octagon. And when it's time for him to explode, it's usually lights out. It's usually yeah. lights out. Um, and I, I, the more I think about the Overeem fight, uh, I don't think Overeem was scared to fight Francis Ngannou. But I knew he understood. I, I think he knew he understood what he was getting into with the power that Francis 
brought to the octagon. So he says, you know what? Don't let him the don't give him the opportunity to tee off on me. Attack right away. And you saw what happened as soon as the fight started. He attacked right away and put Francis on the defensive. Uh, did what he had to do, but and the moment he basically relaxed and and started saying, okay, now we're going to have to sort of spar or, or not spar, but you know, sort of use our distance. It, it, it was over. It was game over. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Like I, I'm just amazed, like how many people are just like legitimately angry over the Chase Sherman thing. Somebody says, "Where did the samurai not go?" It's probably coming back tonight. I just washed my hair. I can't throw <laughs> it up right now. Actually, I gotta have my wife put up the hair because I don't. I'm new to this this game. That was that was far from the only Chase Sherman headline this weekend, and this one was a big one. And we're gonna spend some time on this one, Joe. Did you see the clip? Of? Of the Young Bucks at Ring of Honor that Chase Sherman referred to. No, I did not. Okay. The spot was a really flippy spot, and uh, I'm going to send it to you. I'm going to send it to you, and you can watch it uh, off screen while I talk about it. Okay. But it is a very choreographed, like, if, hey, if it's me, I don't like the spot. It's not my type of thing. It's just not not my deal. Uh, But it... It is what it is. Now, let me see. Hopefully, I can get this without the the audio playing because <laughs> I don't want to get like taken down or anything. Ring of Honor is pretty good to us, though. So. so keep an eye on this on your Twitter. And, Joe, you will react to this as, as it happens. It's going to be in your Twitter inbox. So the Young Bucks are kind of known, as you watch this, almost as like a parody of an independent wrestler because the bag on them early on in their career was all they did were flips. So instead of trying to refine that, they were like, you know what? We're going to go all in on this flip shit. And they'll like do cartwheels and rolls and flips just to rake somebody across the back. That's like just kind of the thing that they do. This happened on Friday's show. By the way, we have a Ring of Honor final battle show. And uh, I love that we can tie this in. And, and what the hell are these guys doing? Right, exactly. <laughs> Oh, six of them doing it. Yes. All right, Chase Sherman. And they all six miss a drop kick. Yes. And Chase Sherman took to Twitter and said, grown men, watch this. Yes. Phil Baroni, God, and I did a 10-minute news update video on this. Phil Baroni went, and of all the hills that he died on, Joe, he referenced the honky-tonk man, said, people never kicked out of the shake, rattle, and roll. I'm like, you're talking about a neck breaker where the honky-tonk man shook his dick at the crowd and his ass and then swayed around for a neck breaker. Are you kidding me? That's the hill you're going to die on. Uh, but Chase went into full troll mode. You know, I don't know how he really feels. He knew he was going to get a reaction. As I said, Chase Sherman, everybody else when it comes to social media. he is. That's a really cool gif he's got up there. Yes, he he is so social media savvy. I said it on the news update. If he got fired from the UFC tomorrow someone would hire him somewhere to do some sort of social media work. He's that good at it. I can't I can't overstate it. I can't oversell it. To me and you know you had Daniel Cormier chime in too. And he said it was embarrassing and I'm like, "Man, <laughs> it's subjective entertainment. It is Jackie Chan." And some people like Jackie Chan's action scenes, some people like yep. Chris Tucker's action scenes as far as pro wrestling goes. Now, this really launched a bunch of things because it goes into what is practical. 
Well, I mean, my catch wrestling coach, Jay Grooms, he broke down why an Irish whip is practical from uh, an arm drag defense point. Like, I mean, that's a lot of what cr- uh, catch wrestling is, is pro wrestling that really works. I mean, I've, I have personally caught people in single leg Boston Crabs uh, on the grappling mats when they wouldn't fix their posture and they stayed flat on their back and they closed their guard. You bear crawl over the guard, you take it. This definitely wasn't a bear crawl over a guard into a half crab. <laughs> I don't think anybody. I don't think you're ever going to see like a six man simultaneous missed yeah. drop kick. I get it, <laughs> but I mean, at the very least, you looked like you were somewhat entertained by it, Joe. Yeah, it was funny. It's hilarious. I yeah. think uh, you know, I, I people are just too cynical nowadays. You know what I'm saying? They just take everything. I, I get people's perspective. Everyone's allowed to have an opinion, whether you agree or disagree, but. It's is it's really is it the end of the world that you got to get all worked up over it? Like settle down, man. So yeah, I, I, mean, I want to say sorry. Go ahead, finish up. I want to say one thing when you're done. No, go ahead. Um, right off the top on the live chat, <clears throat> Roy Soria says, "Enough with these. Uh, let's get past all these BS topics. I want to hear all about Showdown Joe's little one's first round TKO." <laughs> so <clears throat> let's for be, those yeah, that let's be honest, that was a first round TKO. Because this was an early UFC show where your kid fell asleep in the middle of a podcast. I don't think he's referring to that. What, what he's referring? Yes. Well, that's so, that's sad. Then then how'd you get him back in the cage so quick? Because he did get TKO'd on that podcast too. This is irresponsible any- parenting. Oh, he was right here at the at the, on the side of my desk. So I've got this really beautiful glass. Uh, top on my desk, and at the at the corner, it's 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 you know a, kind of a sharp point. And his chair, he actually woke up in the middle of the podcast. And if anybody watches a podcast, you'll see me kind of leaning over to my right and kind of protecting his head because he was awake sitting there, and he was just doing this, and he was bobbing his like just doing this, and he he's just about to bang his head on there. So I had my my hand there so he wouldn't hurt himself. And I'm sitting there, and as soon as I moved my hand, because you and I were, were getting deep into something, I think it was something with uh, with Dos Anjos, I look over, and he bangs his head right off oh. the side of the table. And I looked over, and he just looked at me, and I just kind of, you see me again off screen, kind of gently putting his head down. He put his head down, and he started snoring. Well, what Roy Story is talking snoring, about. Snoring, huh? Oh, he was snoring. He was out cold. He Did was he tired. He was tired, man. He was tired. Um. So anyone that follows my uh, my Instagram, I, I rarely post stories on my Instagram. Well, I'm going to change that now based on the reaction that I was getting yesterday. And part of the part of the idea of story, Sean, as you know, is just show people where you're at, what you're doing, and or whatever, right? For the most part, this is where I am for the majority of my day because I run three businesses out of my office and I don't really get out much other than to drop off my son, pick up my son, groceries and stuff like that. Well, yesterday was one of those days where I was all over the place. First thing in the morning, I had to rush to a passport office in another town, in another city away from Toronto to beat the lineup. I have to get there first thing in the morning because Ryzen informed me that if I don't have six months leeway from my passport expiring, Ooh. they may turn me back when I land. Ooh. I, Yep gone and they let me th- they told me this while I was at the airport on Wednesday getting ready to go to, to Titan so I had no chance to do it until I got back and the next day it was available to the passport office was open was yesterday so I go out there and I start posting oh my god hurry up and wait uh, at the post office blah blah from there I had to rush to grab some uh, I, had a, I had a call to do I had a call to make while I was driving I had to get to the mall to finish up one thing for Christmas shopping come back home in time to eat get to my son's 
afternoon Christmas concert because they do two Christmas concerts, one during the day and one in the evening. So I'm at the Christmas concert, Sean, and everyone tuned in right now. And I'm sitting there waiting for my son's class to come up. There's about nine classes there or 10, 12 classes, whatever. And I'm still waiting and all of a sudden my phone rings. And I look at my phone at the caller ID and it's the school calling me. I'm like, this isn't good because when they call me, he's in trouble. So I pick up the phone and I say, hello. And I get this beautiful female voice on there. Hi, Mr. Ferraro, blah, blah, blah. This is such and such, the vice principal at, at the school. And I said, oh, my God. She's like, I'm wondering if you have a few moments to chat. I said, well, I guess I do, but I happen to be in your gym right now watching the Christmas concert. She's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Can you report to the office when the Christmas concert ah! is That's <laughs> the first time I've ever heard that. I said, okay, no problem. Well, long story short, Christmas concert comes to an end. I go to the office, and I'm sitting there, and I posted another picture of me in the office saying, yep, here we go, back in the office again. You know, it's been 25 years, but it is what it is, and everyone that kind of was following the storyline knew that I was in there because of my son. Well, I go into the vice principal's office, and I find out that on Friday – they didn't, tell, they didn't tell my wife and myself this on Friday because the vice principal wasn't, wasn't there and neither was my son's actual teacher. So the supply teacher didn't know what to do with the situation. Is well, it turns out – Is that a substitute teacher in America? Yes. Okay. Okay. What did I say? A supply teacher. Okay. Substitute teacher. A supply teacher. We call them up here. Yes. Turns out it, it, during recess or school lunch in the playground – there's no unified rules of mixed martial arts. It's more like <laughs> it's more like pride rules. So, in essence, uh, a larger kid decided to pick on my son, uh, and my son wasn't going to have it. Well, apparently, um, after some soccer kicks, um, glasses were broken. Uh, a $500 bill was apparently going to come my way, which I laughed off. It's I'm not paying for the kids' glasses. Uh, some bruising. Uh, and apparently my son, um, the description that I had was it was a one-two punch combination. Kid fell on the floor. Uh, my son began kicking him uh, in self-defense. So uh, first round TKO. Well, wait. What I want to know is before this happened, did they both do cartwheels and try to drop kick each other at the same time and miss? It was a snowball fight. So there could have been. There could have been some guys left and right, and I guess the snowball fight went in the wrong way. Uh, my son's aim is pretty good. This other I bet kid, your kid was bobbing and weaving like Lil Kim in that that new video. Have you seen her dancing on stage yet? No, where she's no. just like this. No. Oh, I bet he looked like like Lil Kim on stage, and then just pop. Yeah, <laughs> if I know my son well enough, he probably told the other kid, "This is not going to end well for you," or "I don't want to do this." And if the kid got too close, he knows that if once someone invades your personal space, you switch gears and you go. So apparently, he went, dropped the kid. And... Well, I just I just looked, and somehow your kid is now ranked thirteenth in the UFC flyweight division. Like, wow, he's getting, he's getting there. We say it's shallow, but hot damn. Yeah. So that's the story, uh, Roy Soria. That's uh, that's basically <laughs> what happened. Uh, and as and as most people actually know, he um, he's in solitary confinement uh, for the next or until the end of day oh, Wednesday. It, we call that in school suspension here. That makes it sound so no, ridiculous. I'm saying up in solitary confinement, no recesses, no lunch breaks. Uh, he's got to be in the office doing one hour things. one hour outside a day to work out in in the yeah. yard. That's it. 
Uh, am I, I low-key proud? It's on the chat, Roy. Am I low-key proud? Um, if he defended himself, yes. If he started it, no. I don't want him to start that, but I always want him to be available to defend himself. So that, that's basically what happened. So he gets freedom from solitary confinement on Thursday. Uh, bail hearing is set for Thursday morning. Uh, lawyers, uh, I'm the lawyer, but uh, we'll, we'll, I'll get involved with the vice principal. Oh but uh, yeah, so that, that was my – just imagine you're a parent at a Christmas concert and you get a phone call from the school telling you you got to come to the office because of your kid that's about to perform on stage. Great. So that was, that was part of it. says solitary day. confinement in Canada's detention. Amazing. That's how, much, <laughs> that's how much more innocent Canada is than America. Solitary <laughs> confinement is one of the worst things that can happen to you in prison in America. In Canada, the bar for bad is so low that it's like it's, it's elementary school detention. That's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. Well, if you're a seven-year-old and all your friends end up going outside to play in the snow, they've all got their snowsuits on, and you're stuck in a room, that's solitary confinement for me. Yeah, yeah I mean, you know, right? So, anyways, that's uh, that, that's that's my son, guys, Ooh. ladies. Yeah. Somebody so, on Twitter asked if there's any beef between me and Daniel Cormier. You know, I entertained Daniel Cormier's uh, statements about the situation because I knew he was a fan. Like, he said he said uh, to... Uh, Brony says, this is actually pathetic. This is what people want to see. Go to a goddamn gymnastics competition. Suplex, body slam, pile driver, do some old school wrestling, man. DDT, I remember when the Frankensteiner was the most you'd ever see someone flip. I see boo to this BS. And I just said, entertainment is subjective. I've seen Brian Eversall and James Krause do cartwheel kicks. Anthony Pettis run up a cage. Michael Page do a 720 kick. Marius Aromsky's front roll into a kick. Like, acrobatics are... a, a piece of combat sports and this isn't wrestling it is a show about wrestling it is like it's it's just it's not wrestling it is it's it's a dramatization of wrestling and we went back and forth a little bit but like i i wasn't saying it because i was like daniel you don't know what you're talking about i entertained his his comments because i knew he did know what he was talking about because, Joe, I know you remember when you had Mike Straw and Brandon Howard with you in Buffalo. Daniel Cormier was in, mid in the middle of a weight cut, and his weight cuts are pretty bad. And Brandon Howard brings up WrestleMania, and during a weight cut, Daniel Cormier's face lights up. And he starts reeling off WrestleMania attendance figures and gate numbers and stuff like that. Like, he's very plugged in. We were working and still are to get Cormier on just to talk wrestling. Just to be yeah. like, hey, man, just come on and talk wrestling. You don't have to talk any MMA right now. I thought especially after the loss to John Jones, that might be something that kind of lifted his spirits and maybe made an impression on him, something like that. Um, and, yeah, do I do I like the spot that happened? If, if I were in a match and I've laid out many of my own matches, I would not do that spot. Never would I do that spot unless it was a comedy match. Like, that's it. Uh, the match was very good. Somebody says, how long until people turn the Young Bucks? Uh, people already have, but never. They sold 500,000 shirts in the last half of the year at Hot Topic. They're doing oh, wow. fine. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. I, I guarantee you it's more than, more than the Reebok fight kits are selling right now. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine so. So, I mean, what they did is good for them. Now, like I said, I come from a very solid, like, my background, like, if, I usually, when I work shows now, I work them with my catch wrestling coach. If somebody wants to book me, they usually book me against him or team up with him. If I went to him and I said, hey, let's do this goofy double drop kick spot, 
he'd say, quote, fuck off, end quote. <laughs> end quote. End quote. <laughs> and there's not a damn thing I could do about it because the man can deadlift suplex me if he wants to. But it's it's pro wrestling. It ain't that serious. Different styles for different people. I had a lot of people saying, pro wrestling selling isn't realistic. People don't get kicked in the nuts and come right back. And I think, uh, what fight have you been watching? Because I see that every single fight card. People get kicked in the nuts and they stand right back up and they say, no, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. But um, somebody says, I've seen one of those matches in the field in Kentucky. It was at a river park in Aberdeen, Ohio, actually. <laughs> 200 semi-rabid. They weren't really rabid. They're, they were from Aberdeen, so they're a little bit rabid in general. But, yeah. Um, it's just... It's a dramatization of combat sports. That's all it is. It ain't that serious. Um... I'll tell you what is serious, Joe. Michael McDonald broke his hand again. Again. Yeah. That's just crazy, though, man. Just it, It's one of those things that he knows how to punch. I mean, one of the things that people always say is you, you break your hand when there's a boxer's fracture. These guys are taped up. So it's very, very strange uh, unless he's just – I mean, the only thing I can think of, Sean, is he, he's able to generate more power than his wrist can handle. Right or his or his knuckles can handle or whatever breaks. So I feel terrible for the guy, but damn again, it's over and over and over and over, and he misses years at a time. Joe, twenty six years old and has misses missed years at a time. Bellator didn't waste any time after he got hurt. They were like, all right, we're gonna run Darian Caldwell against Leandro Higo at Bellator one ninety five in March. So they know he's out for a while, and they're not having yeah. Caldwell wait. I got to say that's a good move on Bellator's part. Go ahead, because you can probably. And do you want to give Michael McDonald a title shot at this point after his hands have been so fragile? I mean, I think that's, I think it's a big risk. If he breaks it again, yeah, it's a huge risk because if he breaks it again, your champion's out, right? So. Something's got to give here. I feel bad for Michael. They got to figure out what you know what's going on here, how to prevent this. But it's hard to prevent when you're in the face punching business. Yeah, and uh, McDonald won the fight. It went two rounds with a broken hand. I'm just like, damn man, again. This guy can't catch a break. It's almost Ian McCall level for me. It's just rough to have to have that happen so many times. I think it's like what he thought about retiring at one point. I think. Hey, don't kill my Ian McCall karma. I got to deal with Ian uh, next week. He's fighting next week, so. But yeah, he was sidelined all of 2014, all of 2015. He had to battle back from that, and then he broke it again. And uh, I think he might have missed weight too. Did he miss weight during that show? Ian? Not. No. 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 Uh, McDonald. Michael. I'll have, I'll yeah. Have to go back. He did. He did. Yeah. Yeah. Not not a good look. I mean, he won, but yeah. And also, Valerie Letourneau beat Kate Jackson. At this point, if you're no no, I'm not trying to denigrate Valerie Letourneau's skills or anything, but Kate Jackson losing thirty twenty seven to her man, I think it speaks volumes about that Bellator one twenty five women's division. Ain't too hot, as they say. No, no. it's. Um, I think you and I were thinking that thing could go either way. It went either way, like we thought, but. I think we were leaning towards 
Valerie potentially, ah, you know what? I, I don't know what to think of that fight anymore. You know, it was just weird leading up to it because she had been off for so long. Uh, she finally gets to compete, gets that win. Um, but that division is strange in Bellator. I don't know. I mean, I, I hope it does well. So uh, I spoke to Michael McDonald ahead of this fight, and I wanted to kind of get a feel of what he thought about the UFC and, and how they handled his exit. And he told me straight up, I'm making enough money from woodworking to survive. Now, that also brings up a thing, Joe. If you're woodworking, you're using your goddamn hands. So that, that's got to affect him in that aspect, too. I get the feeling by now he's figured out a way around it. But uh, take a listen to Michael McDonald. Your exit from the UFC was, was pretty well documented. You said that they had dealt very yeah. dishonestly and disrespectfully. How, how, what in particular happened there? Man, I, I learned a lot about business um, during that. And, 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 I, and I have to say, it's not, it's not that the UFC or, or I, was, I was dealing with Sean Shelby, and that's um, what I was doing with it. It's not that they were dealing un, unordinarily like towards me. It wasn't unusual the way that they were dealing business with me. And it's not even a, 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 like uncommon American business practices. It was standard American business. And, um, and, and I, I'm not cool with standard American business of, you know, I mean, you, you go on to Craigslist, it's the same thing. You know, you go on to, uh, to Craigslist or something like that, and, you know, you, someone's like, hey, uh, what's the lowest you'll accept for that? And you're like, uh, only 60 bucks, and you'll really go down to 50 you know, it, it's just like that. It, it, it's dishonesty, um, but it, it's just normal American business. You know, so I don't, I don't want to blow it out of the water and make it seem like it was worse than it was with the UFC. But that's, that's what it was. You know, I was being honest with, with, with Sean. Is what it was, and I, and I think that he thought that I was playing the American business game. You know, of, hey, Sean, I'm just letting you know, if it's not, if there's not this much money for me right now, then. I'm, I'm just letting you know, this is just the way that it is, this is the way life works, um, that you're going to have to wait a little bit because I'm making more money in my woodworking, my custom woodworking, I'm a cabinet furniture maker, uh, self-employed, and uh, I'm making more money at that right now, and you got to wait a little bit of time, unfortunately, if there's not, you know, X amount of dollars in it for me right now, and and, and, I, and that was an honest statement, I wasn't trying to lowball him, and, and I think it came off a little, you know, um, I, I, I mean, he hears that all the time. You know, from people, oh, I need more money, and, and, you know, managers, you know, being dishonest, oh, we need this much or it's not worth it when it really is worth it for them. And I was being honest, and I think that's an uncommon thing. Um, and so we kind of went into that battle of, you know, but I, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was being honest. I wasn't trying to lowball them, and uh, I just didn't like it. I, I didn't like that whole dance. It seems like they've heard that a lot more recently, though. Like, you've seen Ally Quinta, like, no, I think I'll just hang out and do real estate for a while. TJ Grant yeah. has, like, I don't even know if the guy's tried to get cleared since his concussion issues because he says he's doing just fine outside of the UFC. Do you think that this happening with such frequency these days as compared to what it used to be, do you think that maybe surprises them a little bit? I don't know if it, if it surprises the UFC. I mean, they, they've always had difficulties. Um, I mean, whether it's, you know, states not clearing them and, uh, you know, and, and there not being any money in it for anybody, you know, that was just a common thing back back in the day is nobody expected to make a, a killing off of their, you know, UFC fights. You know, you, you look at some of these these pioneers, they, ne they never made any real money. 
on the on the their UFC matches. They 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 got publicity and they got famous. Is, is what they did, but they never made a killing. Um, and I, I think that it's to the like the sport is at the age where people are ready um, to get paid um, like other sports. You know, I mean, I think. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think most professional sports take about half of their um, their profit margin and put that towards their their athletes. And I think the UFCs is well under 10%. And I and I think that the 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 community is expecting it. And and I know I was. You know, I was expecting that once I got into the UFC and once I had some success, that the money would just take care of itself. And that's not exactly what happened. Um, it's not like it's uh, like I said previous. It, this is not like the business is not professional, like athletics business. It is American business, and uh, it, it's no different than you having a product and you're trying to get it out, and you know you got people trying to take your spot on that shelf. It's no different. How quickly after you made it public that you were leaving UFC, or maybe even before? did you hear from Bellator and what was that process like? Right. Um, we, we got a couple of offers. Um, I, I honestly don't even know what I'm legally allowed to say, but I, I'll try not, not to say anything that I don't <laughs> think is stupid. But, um, you know, we got, we got a couple of offers from different people, but, um, you know, immediately we thought Bell, Bellator was going to be the, uh, the highest bidder in the plate and the, the place we wanted to work for. Uh, e- even Bellator, uh, Bellator even, uh, puts on many shows, uh, closer to where I live than the other organizations, so um, I would much rather fight locally to home than like fight in Japan or something like that. You know, uh, I mean, I'm going to England, you know, at which which is okay, but I would rather fight close to home. Um, all those things considering, you know, Bellator was the the expected favorite, you know, which which they were, you know, which which was nice, um, and, and it wasn't that long. Um, everyone, you know, talked to us relatively promptly so michael mcdonald said he just didn't like the way that he was dealt with in the ufc didn't like their offers we're we're seeing more of that joe we're seeing more guys that are just willing to say thanks but no thanks than ever before i think it's it's good for the mma landscape kind of i mean it's good for the fighters i mean we've seen aljamain sterling he held out for a better contract he didn't do so well after that and He's maybe not lived up to what the UFC hoped that deal would be, but he probably deserves the amount of money he's being paid anyway because the scale was so messed up before. I, I'm glad that people like Michael McDonald are moving to, to Bellator, and I'm glad that people like Misha Serkinov are able to leverage that and stay with the UFC. I think it's very healthy. Well, it's, it's, it's competition is good when it comes to payment for the fighters, right? How much money they can actually make. If you don't have leverage, or sorry, if you can't have any offers brought to the table to say, look, you either give me this. I mean, it's it. There's a, it's an interesting matrix when you have to take a look at what each fighter would have to do in order to get leverage onto the UFC, especially when it comes to, obviously to, to negotiations because at some point you have to take risk. What is the reward from that risk? And you've also got to think about legacy. How, what do you want to be remembered as in terms of a mixed martial arts fighter because – the vast majority of people nowadays will always remember you as a UFC fighter or when they look back at your career, they will judge you by your UFC portion of your career if you decide to move elsewhere. Um, then you've got to take a look at 
the finances. So if you don't think you're going to become a champion in the UFC, which will then potentially bring in a lot more money into your pocket because you've got that UFC gold wrapped around your waist and more sponsors uh, outside of the organization – you got to think to yourself, well, how much money am I making with the UFC if I'm only fighting and I'm not going to be in, in the, in, the t- in title contention? I'm not going to be a challenger. If I'm going to n- now only get paid to fight without the opportunity to make more money because I am a champion, well, what's Bellator paying? What's Ryzen paying? Right? If all I'm doing is fighting now and I can get paid double at Bellator or double at Ryzen, then I'm going over there. Forget my legacy in the UFC. I'm not going anywhere in the UFC. So, you know, Rory McDonald had his opportunities uh, to become a world champion in the UFC, wasn't able to do it, likely wasn't going to get a title shot anytime soon without putting in some punishing work, went to Bellator and got paid damn well. Yeah, and as I mentioned in the full interview, which is up at Fightful.com's YouTube, by the way, um, like there, there were so many things that he had already accomplished ahead of his uh, ahead of his departure from the UFC he had already beaten Miguel Torres he had made it to a title shot an interim title shot but a title shot nonetheless it, it was time to start anew i just hope the guy can stay healthy um man you know the chase sherman thing never dies joe <laughs> he was beefing with colby covington oh. on twitter <laughs> you know this can kind of go back into colby covington versus the world but We've got an exclusive interview coming up with Colby Covington this week, actually, on Fightful.com. That should be up probably tomorrow or Thursday, I believe. But what do you make of this Colby Covington business? I've said it before. I don't agree with some of the sexual slurs he uses. But otherwise, I think he's been very smart. Make some noise. Jim Ross told all the fighters, and I've told the story before. I wrote articles on Fightful about it before. Uh, you know, it, It's not something that I haven't known in, in, in a long time, but... He, he he summed it up so perfectly. Jim Ross, we were at Battlegrounds, the uh, welterweight tournament. Uh, myself, Chael Sonnen, empty seat for the fighters. Jim Ross doing most of the interviewing because he was doing play-by-play. And in, com- in conversing with all the different fighters, he always said the same thing to every single fighter. It's not what you do in the ring or the cage uh, that people will only remember. It's what you do outside of it. You need to make some noise. Uh, and the saying where Chael Sonnen and I started dying of laughter was it's what puts cheese on your whopper now i can't do that oklahoma accent but it's, it's yeah. what puts cheese on your whopper and i was like chill and i just looked at each other and we're like that's the greatest thing we ever heard ever like that's just unbelievable that's jim ross at his finest um colby covington's making noise consistently to the point where he's making headlines uh on fightful mma on all kinds of mma sites all over social media, every fighter wants to beat him down in that division. Fighters from outside of his division want to beat him down. A whole country in Brazil wants to beat him down. Make some noise. He's doing it. Everybody wants to fight him. And you know what? I think that more people should take advice or take his lead, not in the controversial nature necessarily, as opposed to just saying, I'll fight you, I'll fight you. Make noise yourself. Be the person that everybody wants to fight. Whether it's because you're you're so good, because you're so highly ranked, because you're controversial, whatever it is. But, I mean, everybody, like, it's not new now for somebody to say, I want to fight Colby Covington. Especially when you have heavyweights saying it. Like, multiple heavyweights. Fabrice Overdoom wants to fight him. Hit him with a damn boomerang. Would it cost him 600 bucks for that fine? 600 bucks, probably well worth it. <laughs> probably worth every penny, you know? That's terrible. Like, come on. Uh... I... I would probably, if they would let me film it for Fightful, 
I would throw a boomerang at Colby Covington if it, that whole situation played out the same way. I mean, I think it would do us $600 in revenue at the very least. Perhaps. Make your money back on that. Break yeah. even on that. Yeah, but Colby's doing what he's got to do, man. It's just, uh, we're, let's be honest, we're all looking forward to when he steps back into that octagon. As long as he doesn't get himself in enough trouble to get kicked out of the UFC, yeah. which I doubt, I doubt he will, but I mean, anything's possible. Never say never. But we're, no we're all disciplinary action from the UFC. They don't discipline yeah. people. I told you, Joe. Yeah. So looking forward to seeing when he steps back in there. I uh, wish he would be against Kamaru because Kamaru really, really wants a piece of Covington. But Kamaru can't fight anyone in that top 10 for some reason. So this is what it is. He can barely fight the guy that he's supposed to fight. They keep changing the damn date of the show. Yeah. Visa issues, but uh, that's been rectified. Hopefully, it's been rectified. They'll be fighting in St. Louis since January nineteenth. Well, that's that's a good fight for UFC St. Louis too, especially with that that main event of Stevens versus Duho Choi. Like I, I wasn't a big fan of that booking, but I don't even know how that show looks right now. I need to look at it. But I mean, we're gonna have a few weeks where there aren't UFC shows. Like, two out of three, which is unreal to me. Yeah, that's that's unbelievable. Let's see. They got Uriah Hall versus Vitor, Paige Van Zant, Jessica Rose Clark, Kamara Usman, Emil Weber, Meek, uh, Jessica I versus Kalindra Freya. James Krause is on the show. You know, Tiago Alves and Zach Cummings. That's not a bad. Uh, Daniel Taylor, JJ Aldrich. That's a pretty solid show right there. It's pretty good. It's got talent. Yeah. We have talked at Fightful.com. We've talked to Matt Frivola, Mike Santiago, who are both on the show. Uh, Tiago Alves as well. Like all kinds of people. Jessica Rose Clark, we have that interview coming up this week. And, of course, Kamaru. So lots of exclusives from Fightful.com coming there. Got a little bit of an exclusive here. I've been told by my people at WWE there have been no conversations about bringing in Conor McGregor. No serious conversations. No real contact made with Conor McGregor. And if you believe Conor McGregor in his recent interview where he just simply said, F WWE... <laughs> it says that he wants to compete in MMA uh, next, then that that is to be believed. I will have a story on the Conor McGregor WWE stuff coming probably tomorrow morning when I get some more information on it, but Conor McGregor's back in MMA training, Joe. Like, and, and we know this because every moment of his life is photographed, and for the first time since that Mayweather fight, he has been photographed training MMA. It was... Over three and a half months, did you think that, I mean, we knew he would return to training. It's not like he was never going to train again. I looked at that and thought to myself, I don't always believe what I see on social media, but the guy's sweating. So, yeah, he's in there training. So uh, what does that actually mean? Is he just training because he's a martial artist like George St. Pierre just trains and trains and trains and trains? Or B, I better get ready for a fight. I got a fight coming up. Let's get the juices flowing once again. Let's get this boxing-only stamina that I've had for the past year or so out of me and get back into the MMA game and start building up my cardio and stamina and muscle memory uh, for mixed martial arts. So I'm I'm assuming he's getting ready for a fight or there's a fight on the horizon depending on his one-year suspension that Sean Rossap is going to – or sorry, that's Joe Ferraro. Yeah, I guess they're not throwing the book at him. So. Oh man, yeah. So, I would love it if he posted on Instagram pictures of him like grappling in his tight white skinny jeans and his open like flowered shirt and his chain and sunglasses, like just breaking somebody's guard with like his hand on their knee. Like I think that would be hilarious. Like 
back in the gym, getting those rounds in type of thing. UFC needs him next year. Uh, they like I, I, I've spoken about my affection on how UFC has started to stack these pay-per-view cards. Now, it does leave us with main events like Duho Choi and Jeremy Stevens, and Jacare versus Brunson's an okay one, but it does it's not going to have a whole lot supporting it. It leaves you with Eric Anders and Leoto Machida. I want to know how Conor McGregor, well, Conor McGregor being gone does directly correlate to this. Because if Conor McGregor's on the show, you can go one of two routes. You can put absolute dog shit underneath it, or you can put somebody that you want to promote and you want to get paid a little bit on there. You can put a Demetrius Johnson on the show. What do you think that Conor McGregor being here or not being here does for how they book these shows? Because I've noticed that trend happening this year, and I, I wonder, do you think that's just a coincidence? Or, or is it corollary? It, it, it's, it's, it's tough to say. I mean, if, if we're just going to break it down into onto a surface level layman's terms, I would love to see Conor McGregor uh, headline a pay per view with the co-main event being Demetrius Johnson. Mm-hmm. That's that's just what I would absolutely love to see because if anyone deserves a paycheck of all the champions, uh, no ifs, ands, or buts, Demetrius Johnson deserves the biggest paycheck. Uh, the goat. We can make the argument that he's the goat. I know people are saying GSP because he's he's a two time, he's a two division champion as well. Um, but Demetrius Johnson just simply has never gotten paid with all these other guys have gotten paid. I would love to see it. So I don't know if he again. We don't know what's happening with Connor when it's going to be announced, what's going to happen. Uh, will it be Tony Ferguson? Will we take a look at Habib? I know a lot of the guys uh, and girls on the for- on the um, live chat right now are ripping apart Habib Nurmagomedov. Will he make weight? Will he get injured with his fight versus Barbosa in two weeks? Um, or not even two weeks. It's what? And Elias days brought it up too. Elias said on Twitter, what, I- what evidence has there been to indicate that he's going to show up for this fight over the past several years? I can't disagree with him, and I'm... Hey man, I'm a big Habib. Uh, a Habib, I don't want to say fan because I'm not a fan of anybody. I covered the stuff, but the man made me some money during that. I think true Hilo fight, or maybe it was T Bow, where he landed 21 takedowns. That racked up the fantasy points for me on the old counter move game. So <laughs> I've, I've been a, I've, and I, you know, I'm an, I enjoy his wrestling. His wrestling is a different type of offensive wrestling. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. That you look at and you're like, how do you deal with that? I think that Edson Barboza is the perfect fight for him. Uh, and for the perfect fight for Edson Barboza. Because we're going to find out if Edson Barboza can deal with that wrestling. And we're going to find out if Habib can deal with that next level striking of Edson Barboza. Because I'm not... Like a lot of people are writing... Barboza off. I'm not. He has a lot of the tools that I have seen 
expose aspects of Habib's game. That's going to be a big fight in pertaining to figuring out what happens in this light heavy or this lightweight division. But how long do you wait, Joe, after this fight before you make a Ferguson versus whoever fight? That, that's a great question. That's a fantastic question. I think you need to take a look and be realistic about. I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff in the UFC matchmaking that goes on behind the scenes that we'll never know. Uh, but you know something is up if they do make the announcement uh, that the winner of Habib Nurmagomedov and, and Edson Barbosa fights Tony Ferguson. You know something is up with Conor McGregor. Um, at that point there, you would have to think that they would strip Conor of the title. If Tony, if anyone who's an interim champ has to defend that title, you got to strip the champion. Mm-hmm. The interim title is there to say you are now the interim champion. You, excuse me, are fighting the champion next. That's what it's there for. Now, if you have to defend the interim title, especially when you're, especially when the champion is healthy. Yeah, exactly. So um, we'll know soon, in my opinion. We'll see. And plus, you know, Habib. I don't know if Edson will do much in the post-fight press conference or even in his post-fight interview should he emerge victorious. But you know, if Habib emerges victorious, he'll take every opportunity to let everybody know that he deserves a title shot uh, and he'll have no problem fighting either Tony Ferguson or Conor McGregor. So we'll know soon enough. I think we'll know after this event has come to an end within 24 to 48 hours uh, what potentially is going to happen in this division. And we're seeing Conor McGregor now training in MMA uh, or at least getting back in the gym. Likely a fight on the horizon. We'll see, but likely there's a fight on the horizon. Ole Samuel Lee says, strip him of the belt. He made his money and is hiding from real fights. I don't think he's hiding from. I mean, you don't fight Jose Aldo and Eddie Alvarez and Nate Diaz and hide from anybody else. It's just, he just doesn't want to fight. Like, and I'm never going to tell somebody, hey, you go back and you fight. Now, he should, should he vacate the title? Yeah, but he won't do that. He'll make them strip him of the title. He never yeah. vacated the featherweight championship. As Correct. far as he's concerned, he still is the featherweight champion, even Correct. though he has no plans of going there. You mentioned the the interim title and defending it. I mean, man, Burrell had to defend his twice, but that's because Cruz was injured. McGregor's yeah. not injured. Yeah. And this yeah. was a favor anyway. Like He fought during that period. He just fought in boxing. And then finally, by his third defense, uh, it, Burrell was promoted, but... Let's be honest for a second, though. People have to remember what Connor was saying in many of his interviews um, long before he became the featherweight champion. He said flat out, I'm only in this for a period of time. I'm going to make my money and get out. Yeah. And believe me, he's made more money than any mixed martial artist has ever made. Ever. With that, with that money fight with Floyd Mayweather. So he said, if I was Connor. Okay, and, and again, I'm, I'm speaking because I've, I've been around this game for such a long time. If I would have made that kind of money, I would never fight again. Never, ever fight again. Why take that trauma to my head when, I could, when, when it's done? I've made more than enough money to last three lifetimes. I'm good. Somebody on Twitter just asked me, who do I think has made more money over their career, Lesnar or McGregor? Man, that McGregor one, that he got that giant payday in that one shot. Lesnar's had about 15 years to work it up, but I'm still thinking McGregor because of that share that he got in... in, I mean, Lesnar's got a very nice WWE deal. A very nice WWE deal. And he's... 
I'd have to sit down and look at it, but man, that's like taking the lump sum over the, you know, the gradual pay if you if you hit the lottery type of thing. And McGregor took that lump sum, and he's probably still making a ton of money off of spon. He's got like a teeth whitening sponsor. I saw that, yeah, like all kinds of stuff. But yeah, as I mentioned, UFC kind of stacking these shows at UFC 219. You all know what we got. Uh, we can talk a little bit about that after uh, this because you won't be here to preview it with us. But 220, Joe, my God, Miocic and Ngannou, Cormier, Ozdemir, uh, that, that's really top-heavy. I'm waiting to see what they fill that out with. 221, still waiting to see what that has too, but up at the top, Whitaker and Rockhold. You got Tyson Pedro on the show. I love watching him fight. Formiga, Ben Wins, a solid fight. But you got Mark Hunt and Curtis Blades. Uh, James Lynch spoke to Curtis Blades, and this full interview will be up on Fightful this week, but uh, check out some of it. How did this all come together with you getting this matchup? Did you ask for this fight, or did the UFC present it to you? Uh, it was presented to me by the UFC. Uh, originally, I was... I mean, this is this is what I wanted. I wanted uh, a higher-ranked opponent. Um, originally, it was between Tybra and... Uh, Derek Lewis, but they ended up getting matched up. So this was the next, the next best move. So I'm happy with it. Yeah, were you uh, surprised at all to get the fight? Because it seemed like you know Mark had had some you know some health issues. It didn't seem like he was gonna. I mean, remember he was pulled from his last fight. Um, was this a bit of a surprise, or were you expecting this as you know sort of the alternative to uh, Derek Lewis? I mean, I'm not surprised, but I didn't, I didn't have any idea who who I was going to get. So I was, it could have been him. It could have been, I was ready for him. Velasquez, Verdun, any of those guys. It could have been any one of them. So I'm not surprised, but I said, uh, I'm happy I got you know, what I wanted originally, higher-ranked opponent. And what are your initial thoughts on the matchup against Mark Hunt? We know his power. Um, you know, you can never count him out of a fight, and he's extremely tough to finish. Is that kind of how you look at this fight? Yeah. Um, I'm not even thinking about a TKO or a KO. I know he's got one of the toughest jaws in the, in the history of the heavyweight rankings. Even though he's had a, a couple ups and downs, uh, I still respect him. He's still a legend, so I'm going to treat him as such. But uh, I'm going into this fight um, pretty much with the same game plan as my last fight. First round, uh, keep on my feet, try and dance. Well, not dance, but try to be more evasive, try to get them tired out, and then second round, start looking for takedowns and uh, bigger, bigger like uh, straight rights and overhands. How much do you think uh, you know your speed and movement is going to play a factor in this fight? Because you know Mark's not very mobile; he's you know more of a power guy, and, and you're a lot younger, and you can, you can move around a lot better. Do you think that's going to really play a, a factor in this matchup? I think it's going to be a huge factor. I think that's one of my bigger advantages uh besides my length and my wrestling ability uh is my youth and my and my vocal mobility um uh i'm pretty much i'm i'm thinking on my conditioning being the x factor to be honest and speaking of conditioning um as far as training camp is everything going to be in colorado like usual or are you going to do a bit of cross training i mean this fight's you know a bit of a ways away are you what's sort of the, the plan for training camp everything's always the same i don't think i'm ever going to 
change up my training camp. I like how it is. It's been working. And I don't think there'll ever be a reason to really leave Colorado. I doubt it. Yeah, no, I agree. you got a good stable of guys over there. Are you going to bring anyone in uh, to maybe emulate Mark Hunter, or are you just going to use sort of the same guys? Uh, well, I think it's impossible to emulate his a guy of his, his stature and his power, so we're not even going to attempt to do that. But I just need to bring in guys, which I will. I just need guys uh, chucking overhands and uppercuts. That's really what I want to work on, my timing, on my pulling, all that. So it doesn't. It's not really about the uh, the power and the stature. It's more so just about uh, working on my timing and my angles. Good stuff. Um, one of your past opponents uh, in the UFC, Francis Naganu, just uh, knocked out Alistair Overeem. Uh, were you surprised by that result, or did you expect Francis to win that fight the way he did? Uh, no, I didn't expect him to win it like exactly like that. But did I see him getting a knockout? Yeah, I just I wasn't expecting it to be so early, but uh, uh, I'm not surprised he got the title. Right, he's been on a meteoric rise, and uh, he's he's got the he's got the look, he's got the the style. So uh, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what Pusipa does if he's going to be the crafty veteran or he's going to. Go in the middle of the octagon and just square up with him like Alistair did. Yeah, who who do you see winning that fight actually between uh, Miosic and uh, Nagano? Because it, it's a quick turnaround for Nagano. I mean, he just fought uh, earlier this month, and uh, you know he's fighting next month against Stipe, and Stipe's been out for a bit, but Stipe's a lot more mobile. I mean, I don't know if you know this, but Francis is actually the betting favorite in the fight right now, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, uh, I mean, I can see that like a lot of the casual and, and a lot of MMA fans they fall in love with with uh, the upper cuts and the overhands, they fall in love with that. But I, me, I, I believe Stipe's, like, classic boxing and his movement, his angles, and his cardio. We haven't seen Ngannou go into deep waters ever, really. So, and I think if Stipe gets him out of the second round, I think it's his fight. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Um the fact that you, you you had already fought Naganu and you know you lost to him does that make that loss a little bit easier to take with the fact that Naganu has gone on that rise? It's not like you you know you had a loss to someone that's uh, you know on a losing streak or anything like that. I mean, I guess if you're going to lose, you want to lose to someone who's good. But I mean, I I still hate hate losing. So I I guess I guess it makes it better. Yeah, like you said, he, at least he's not a bum. So, do, you, do, you, do you you see you guys uh, rematching at some point, don't you? Because it seems like you guys are destined to face off against each other again, I think. Of course. Uh, I I knew that from the beginning. I knew I know a lot of people like uh, Brendan, Brendan Schaub and a couple other guys, they didn't think I'd be around much longer after that loss. But uh, I knew later on, a year, two years, We'd, we'd have another go at it. So Curtis Blades there, top 10 ranked UFC heavyweight taking on Mark Hunt. That's a big leap for him. The right one to make. They're starting to match up some of these guys who are emerging with uh, with some of the more established talent. I think it's a good idea. Uh, 
go ahead, Joe. Um, what's more epic? The beard? The shirt he was wearing? Or the ants in his pants? <laughs> Probably the ants in his pants. <laughs> I was like, Curtis, stop. Just stop. Just stop moving. We're good. We're good. He's just... Oh, oh my god. You need head movement at heavyweight. Yes. I'm so, oh, you damn sure. You damn right you do. He reminds me so much of a friend of mine that I grew up with uh, in my teen years. I grew up in a very – for a portion, I grew up in a pretty poor neighborhood. Um, and I, you know, the, as you know, you've been to Toronto, very, very multicultural. So I grew up uh, you know, with a lot of uh, Latino friends, black friends, Indian friends, you name it. Uh, and I had one, one of my boys that was – Big like that, had the beard, and we never got into trouble when he was around. Let's just say that. Nobody wanted to mess around. So, uh, yeah, but Curtis, man, reminds me of my son, ants in his pants. Uh, we definitely want to extend our condolences uh, to the family, friends, and fans of Robert Follis. Passed away. The the It was ruled a suicide. That's always horrible. I mean, it's horrible when we lose anybody uh, in the MMA world, but this is particularly heartbreaking robert was loved and admired and respected by so many joe yeah uh i've met robert um i'm gonna say numerous times um i I don't recall having in-depth conversations other than professional conversations about the fighters he was training uh obviously during my heyday when i used to go to vegas like six times a year um and with randy couture being in the ufc and frank trigg um being in the ufc and being you know my broadcast partner during the times we would be at extreme couture a lot i would say at least two or three times a year i would hit extreme couture and 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 if, if robert was there um you know Brief conversations here and there. When Sean Tompkins was alive, uh, same thing. I'd go see Sean just to say hi. And you know, if Robert was there, brief conversations. He, he to me, he just seemed all businesslike. He was you know very professional, and um, I wouldn't say stern, but to the point. Um, not just on the mats, but off the mats as well. Yeah, uh, the the MMA world really opened up and shared their their memories and thoughts and all that uh, with him. Of course, Randy Couture. Really adored Robert Follis, and uh, I think they they had a bit of a split. But man, I I gotta you know I'm not that up to date on Extreme Couture's gym and stuff. I I'll follow up on that, but it's sad. Uh, I hate to see someone take their own life for any reason. So uh, definitely extending our condolences to his family and friends. But uh, no events this weekend, Joe. Two events. Next weekend, we'll go ahead and talk about those now. I'm probably going to separate this and put it in an individual clip. But you got Ryzen coming up in a couple of weeks, and it's a big weekend. Are you calling, like, are they having you call the, the Jiu Jitsu Open tournament too, or are you just doing the MMA events? I'm only doing the MMA events, uh, to my understanding. But if they need me to call the Jiu Jitsu events when I get there, yeah, we'll do it. Just that it all depends on timing and stuff like that. Because to my understanding, I don't, to my understanding, my, my itinerary says I land in Japan and be in the afternoon. So to say I'm going to hit the ground running challenge because I'm sure my face will look like the beer that you have on your face when I land. Um, you know, after after if I don't shave at least once a day, it gets pretty thick. So um, we'll see what happens. But yeah, right now as it stands, the two events, uh, the one on the 29th uh, and the one on the 31st, uh, there'll be a time time zone difference. It's available on Fight TV. So make sure you guys, if you want to watch it, get on Fight TV. 
Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, obviously, with the Bantamweight Grand Prix, the the Super Atomweight Grand Prix on the women's side. Bantamweight's the, the men's side. Obviously, you got Ian McCall on there, Anthony Burchak uh, in the reserve boat. Kyoji Horiguchi's in it. Horiguchi's in it. I mean, it, it, it's going to be a lot of fun, man. Um, I'm, I, want, take, I want to see McCall versus Horiguchi so bad. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I want be... them to somehow match up, face each other. Also on that on that show, uh, Cindy Danois on there, Gabby Garcia fighting <laughs> her latest scene. <laughs> hey, hey, now to be fair, this woman was a bronze medalist in the Judo World Championships a long time ago, before I was born, 1984. Yes. 1984. Yeah. Uh, on the December 31st show, Takenori Gomi. You got Crocot yep. versus Kosaka. That's that's an awesome. That's just a fun book. That's old school, man. Miracle against TK. That's going to be fun, man. That's going to be a lot of fun. But the Marie Oliveira is also competing in that tournament. Uh, Reina, Reina's badass. So I think she's going to win the tournament. That that's my early prediction. But um, we'll see what's up. But uh, the one the one I want everyone to pay very close attention to, if you get a chance. I'm sort of sad that it's just um, a kickboxing tournament. But Tenshin Nasukawa is. This kid, if there's a if there's a prospect in MMA that we don't know about overseas, it's him. I've called two of his fights. This kid's a destroyer, fast, super, super fast. And when he hits, he hits hard. He hits very, very hard. So uh, that flyweight tournament, um, again, th- th- these are one night tournaments. So come December thirty first, there's three tournaments that evening. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six fighters. Sorry, two fighters. Sorry, four fighters will be competing <laughs> twice. Two other ones will be competing. It's it's crazy. It's crazy to see that these guys are and girls are going to be fighting twice in one night. December thirty first is going to be a fun ass show. Uh, you're either going to be up recover. Not you yourself, Sean, but some people <laughs> are going to be up uh, parting it up uh, on New Year's Eve, leading into New Year's Day. If you could stay up, great. Uh, you'll want to watch the show for sure. Um, also, an underrated stat that a lot of people don't realize. Since Crocop Let me rephrase left- that. Let me rephrase that. It's beforehand. I'm sorry. Yes. Make sure you watch it. It's going to be amazing before New Year's Day. It's going to be fantastic. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Mirko Crocop, since he left the UFC in 2011, 15-2 in combat sports. 15-2, Joe. Now, you can say what you want about his competition, but... He has faced some very dangerous people, too. I, you know what? He can say that he's going to retire as many times as he wants. He's not. He's still got it at that level to where he can compete in Japan. He can still make six figures in Japan, and he can still win fights in Japan and be pro- featured prominently. I'm all for it. I think it's great. I think it embodies the spirit of pride, the fact that he's fighting on this New Year's Eve show. And. It feels like a tradition. You know what I mean? I mean, the, just the rich history of Krokop fighting in Japan. Uh, he beat Yuji Nagata, New Japan pro wrestling legend. Uh, Fujita beat him. Uh, who else do we got? Kevin Randleman beat him as well. Lost to Mark Hunt in that split decision at Shockwave 05. Let me see what else he's got. Hongman Choi. Remember that one? Yep. That one too. Uh, he fought at the Inoki Show in 2012. He fought at the Inoki show against Satoshi Ishii where he defended the IGF championship. One of my favorite titles ever that I wish was like – I love because it was defended like in pro in, – in shoot and work. Beat King Mo, Baruto, and Alec Bari. 
in in, in forty eight hours. Yeah, like you I know, mean, so the thing w- is, his last few years, and you can say what you want about PEDs and all that stuff. He beat Satoshi Ishii back to back. People thought Satoshi Ishii was going to be something. The next big thing, yeah. Yeah, Gonzaga beat him. That was that was great. Then he beat King Mo, who has contended at heavyweight virtually every time he's he's appeared there. Alec Bari, people thought that uh, that was going to be trouble for him. Nope. Well, Alec Bari was was based on what we saw in that tournament and leading up to that event. He was the consensus favorite. Yes. If you go back and look at the odds, uh, Alec Bari is a big dude, and he was supposed to win that event. Uh, a muscular dude, super strong, um, and he had an easier fight leading into this event or leading into the finals than Mirko did. I'm oh, sorry, no, Mirko, Mirko had that that uh, a quick fight with Baruto, so he was healthy. Uh, but Alec Bari was just an absolute machine, and you know he was going to give Krokop fits. Well, Alec that Bari's fight. been a machine since then. He. Pieced up uh, Dos Santos and Tyler King this year. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Listen, Krokop has it, man. He's still doing his thing. You know, I've talking to, I've, I've spoken to a few people over the past few weeks uh, that have been um, in and around Krokop's career for a very long time, um, and he always, like he says, this is it, this is it. But lately, he says, no, this is not it. We're doing more. So I mean, this could be the, f- the final fight we ever see of Krokop. It'd be, you know, it's going to be my pleasure and honor to, to potentially call his last fight, but. As you mentioned, we don't know. We never yeah. know with Pro Cup, right? Guys, uh, UFC 219, also next weekend. You will be in Japan for that, so James Lynch will be joining me. A heads up, guys. We've got interviews with Marvin Vittori, Mark Giacasey, uh Luis Smoka. Who else? All kinds of people from this show. Uh, Cynthia Cavillo, who could be very close to a title shot. Yeah. Also, we have MMA Pros picks for all of those up on our YouTube and Fightful.com, all the main card fights. So in addition to me and Joe's picks, you will also get the the pros picks. But the first one up on the main show, Carlos Condit, Neil Magny. I think this is the perfect gauge to find out where Carlos Condit is at this stage of his career. Neil Magny is that guy. It seems like he's going to embrace that role, and I think it's perfect. you got a 33-year-old Condit, but as we've seen... Sometimes his heart's not all the way in it. He is 2-5 and five in his last seven. He has two wins going on the last over five and a half years, Joe. Yeah, so you're right. It is a good litmus test for Carlos to determine exactly where he's at in his career. Does he still have it? Um, or is it this is it, right? So he's been fighting for a long time. That MMA mileage on that body is extreme. But he's also the natural-born killer. You just never know because once he's focused, once he's tuned in, he can give anybody uh, a problem in this division. The only problem he has right now is his own personal battle with Father Time. Body can only hold so much. I want to shout out Casey Walton who did – saved me a lot of work. Yeah. And uh, he he talked – he looked at the average age of ranked uh, UFC fighters. And welterweight is at 32.3. Condit's just right beyond that. But the thing is, if you were, if you were to gauge that based on like how number of fights, that that's one that I might look up next is number of fights averaged in the ranking. Boy, that that cage age would be like fifty seven because he's been at it. He's been at it for so long. He's had forty fights. He he kickboxed for a solid year or two, if I remember right. So. Uh, that that's going to be a really big indicator. Do I think he has the skills to beat Neil Magny? 
sure, but the difference is, man, Neil Magny is so five times two thousand about his cage age. Like, like where does it go? That, so that's an interesting scenario. I think in terms of MMA mileage and cage age, I think there's a difference between the two because it's over a period of time. Uh, I think it's eight years if I'm not mistaken. There's an actual stat or there's an actual case um, that was put together, a good study uh, that really describes MMA mileage um, and, and that eight-year, eight to nine-year span. Now, in terms of what you do in those eight years is extremely important because you're either – you want to get technically as many fights as you can during those eight years without risking a lot of damage concussion-wise. So if you have a fight and it's it's a three-round war, you don't want to have a fight immediately thereafter. You need to take some time off. But if you have a fight and you come out relatively unscathed, you want to get back in there as soon as possible because you are training no matter what during those eight years. So if you're training – during those eight years, you're putting on that MMA mileage, and the human body can only take so much of that training. So it's it's a really cool. It's I gotta find that article. I gotta send it to you. But it's a really cool um, way of breaking things down and understanding what you need to do as a professional mixed martial artist during the time that you start, and then eight years afterwards. So now you're starting to see a lot of guys later on in their career always talk about I don't spar as hard anymore. Yeah. I don't do this as much anymore, or I don't spar, blah, 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 blah. I don't do that. Or this. They've, they've realized now that, you know what, you, if you want to protect your body, you want to have longevity, you got to be careful with the sparring. Unlike the shooter box guys back in the day that would knock each other out. Um, I mean, if you go back and look at some of the fights of many uh, elite mixed martial arts and you were surprised that they got KO'd early, I'm not just talking about shooter box, I'm talking about a lot of other fighters uh, that were KO'd relatively early, it's because they've taken too much punishment over the years or dudes are probably knocked out in training and should not have been fighting when they stepped into the cage or the ring. So, yeah. Speaking about active, Carla Esparza has been much more active. Uh, this is the most she'll have fought in a year since 2011. Because other than that, like it didn't, it just didn't seem like she was that interested in, in getting into the cage. She's facing Calvillo, and Cynthia told us at Fightful that Carla seemed kind of offended that Calvillo would even dare call her out or say, yeah, I'll <laughs> fight you. And that is the type of attitude that, that Esparza has. Esparza is a, is a solid wrestler. But here's the key. She has a win over Rose Namajunas. And if she wins, she'll have won three of her last four. Calvillo is a good win. Because despite the fact that Calvillo is 30, I always bring this up, Joe. She hasn't been a pro for a full year yet. A full calendar year. August 2016, the end of August 2016, was her pro debut. Her pro career is younger than our website, Joe. Yeah, this is her fifth when, fight in 2017. When this launched, when this website launched, she was not a pro fighter. Yeah, so go go back to what I just said about getting your fights in before the mixed martial arts mileage kicks in and take a look, just just 6-0, and oh, take a look um, at Cynthia's uh, professional record. Started in August of 2016, jumped in right back in there in November, jumped right back in there in January, Right back in there in March, April, and July, now competing in December. Each one of those fights, with the exception of uh, the second and the third, went the distance. So yeah. there's, you know, also, and- 
There's also a rather impressive amateur win on her record over Aspen Ladd as well. That is correct. That I'm is like, correct. like, both very young at the time in their career, but uh, this is a big, big opportunity for Cynthia Covillo. She's been training for uh, quite a while, so I mean, even though she turned pro last year, like she's been training for well over like five or six years. This is a a, a big opportunity for Cavilo. I think she has a skill set to get it done, but also Carla Esparza has a skill set to hold almost anybody down if that's the way that it goes. So neither would particularly surprise me. But if Calvillo wins, you're looking at potential title shot territory. She said that she would like to get another fight in and then maybe compete for the title. Because have she you knows- seen how? Yeah, have you seen how Dana White absolutely loves Cynthia? Yes, he does. That can't hurt, hey, right? Nope. Yeah, if you got the boss in your corner, probably get a title shot with a victory over the former champion. You got a, a really, uh, you have an excellent fighter, a, a virtual rookie, Mexican American, lives in California, trains at Team Alpha Male. Uh, yeah, that's somebody you could go with. That's somebody you could definitely go with who's willing to fight all the time. That's a good one, uh, and that's that's a piece of uncharted territory. How do I think she does against Rose Namajunas? Uh, let me let me see how she does against Carla Esparza, and I'll let you know. But beating Joanne Calderwood's a, f- a fine gauge of how you are as a fighter in that division. Because I thought at one point Joanne Calderwood was maybe unbeatable. Like when when she when when they came in the Ultimate Fighter, I thought Joanne Calderwood was winning that season. I didn't think it was even going to be close. After uh, she beat Katya in Invicta, I was like, man, there's just I, I don't know who's going to beat her. And then. Rose beat her, and then Moreau's beat her, and then Andrade beat her, and then Calvillo beat her. For for Joanne, I hope the move helps her, but that that win over over Joanne is a big one for Calvillo, and that's that's just a solid fight to put on that main card. Absolutely. Also, solid fight to put on that main card. Jimmy Rivera <laughs> and John Lineker. Over under on this one here. Whew. Man, I just love watching these two. I mean. Jimmy Rivera takes it the distance. He, he He's outside of like a three-fight winning streak that he had as he came into the UFC and as he was getting into the UFC, he go, he takes it the distance. I mean, Lineker can. We've seen it uh, his last three fights, but, you know, he, he prefers to, to knock people dead. But I think that's almost like becoming the stereotype on him, and that hasn't necessarily been the case at Bantamweight. Like he has, I think finished a bunch of people there. I, I I think this is a fight that, as crazy as it sounds, could be boring in some fans' eyes mm-hmm. if you're just patient, because you're gonna have two guys whose only goal is to time the power that they throw. So every time they get close enough, they're probably both gonna swing. Yeah, very hard. You might get the odd jab to set something up, but the whole point is for these two guys to constantly, when they meet, it's explosion, 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 explosion. So uh, if anyone's – it's hard to say because Lineker can be patient because he'll stalk you. Meanwhile, you got Jimmy Rivera who can't be stalked. He just moves forward. So there, there's going to be an explosion in this in this octagon. I can't wait for these two to go down. Um, the only way there won't be is it because they respect each other's power. Uh, but then again, I don't think they will. So who knows? But oh, I can't wait for it to go down. Barboza Nurmagomedov. Like I said, this answers. This is going to answer a lot of questions for Nurmagomedov in particular because we have seen him put in a position 
where he kind of got pieced up on the feet. And that's always been the question, and his game is always improving. But you always have to wonder where his head is at, too, and how he's always in and out and in and out. And the man's 29 now, and it just seemed like a few years ago, like 2014, I was like, damn, this man's ready for a title shot. And here we are almost, it's three and a half years later. And he, he just spent a year out of the cage again. And Michael Johnson put the hands on him. And Michael Johnson is not anywhere near the striking level of an Edson Barboza. Edson Barboza has kicks that I saw on TV and I had to go learn. Like I, I spent every day in the gym for a month after that learning how to do a spinning wheel kick because it was so impressive. We've seen what he can do to the legs of people. And with wrestlers especially, that can be a concern. I want to know what your thoughts are on this one, Joe. Oh, I love it. By the way, I saw Michael Johnson uh, in uh, in Florida. He's doing very well, smiley, uh, until he we both started talking about our, our incident in Winnipeg. Uh, I'm sure you heard that brawl or that potential brawl that occurred. Me, Kamaru, uh, <laughs> Michael Johnson, uh, Giuseppe Di Natale, and about 30 uh, Winnipeggers. That were, Winnipegans? Were, Winnipegans of, of Asian descent. Winnipegans. That were, that were not happy with Michael. Um, so Why yeah, weren't they happy a, with Michael? What happened? Well, it's one of those things. I, you know, you, you know, you've know, you've seen me in public. I mind my own business. I am the king of people watching. But yeah. I'm, I'm just I sit back and I enjoy whatever. And you know, when when a young lady approaches another gentleman, um, but the young lady's boyfriend is part of a thirty oh, deep no. group, um, and, and and you're you're a fighter. You're going to sit there and be like, I don't care what you're thinking. Your girl came to me, and I'm like, this is not going to end well. Yeah. This is not going to end well, and before you know it, we're outside and, and slightly surrounded. And I'm By Winnipegans. Yeah. So, But anyways, that was, it was a good time. In, in terms of uh, the segue, obviously, with Michael McDonald having competed against her, uh, Habib Nurmagomedov, um, th- this is the fight that I've been waiting for. For a very long time, it's Habib take on Tony Ferguson, but we get Edson Barbosa instead, and I think all the pressure is on Habib in this fight. I don't think there's any pressure whatsoever on Edson Barbosa other than what he puts on himself because Habib technically should win this fight uh, and get his A shot versus Conor McGregor, B uh, a potential shot versus Tony Ferguson. So it, it, I don't know if Edson – I think – I mean in terms of what Habib's going to bring to the fight here, he's going to wait for those kicks – but it's difficult to wait for those kicks when they come so quick and so fast. And the way Edson throws them, uh, including the knees, including the jumping knees, this guy's a human highlight reel. Uh, but I think the way Habib competes, and you, if you just close the distance, you put the pressure on Edson Barbosa, you work to try and break him, which is obviously what he's going to try and do. You put him on his back, and you just start punishing him. I think that's what's going to happen here. I think Habib Nurmagomedov is just that good. Uh, but then again, like you said, the layoff, is not good at all, uh, and you know the peeps in the live chat all basically saying, you know, we still got to see if this guy is going to get to the event in one piece. Then we got to see if he's actually going to make weight. Uh, I, I'm I'm concerned about my um, about getting a uh, a fight bets video done until after the morning weigh-ins. And again, the time zone change is going to be a disaster because I would hate to put together uh, a fun bets piece for Fightful only to have it absolutely destroyed by Sean Rossap or one of our editors, video editors, to say, nope, we're taking that out, Joe. So we'll see. We'll play it by ear when I get down to Japan. But I, I think Habib wins this fight, Sean, to be honest with you. 
Yeah, that's the way I'm leaning, but it would not... Uh, like, to me, honestly, it's like a 55-45 type of thing because Edson Barboza is the type of guy that can finish anybody with his hands or his feet. And he can especially finish somebody, or his knees, for for that matter. And his winning streak is Dariush Melendez Pettis. He's beaten Paul Felder. And if you're beating Paul Felder, Paul Felder. on oh. the feet, uh, yeah, man. It's it's one of the most intriguing fights on the entire show, in my opinion, and it's all going to come down to how Habib can close the distance. If he can't close the distance, I don't think he's going to win. If he can, I do think that he's going to win because if he get if he clamps down on somebody, that that's pretty much a wrap. I am so excited for Chris Cyborg versus Holly Holm because even though Chris Cyborg has fought for almost thirteen years, Joe. I have so many questions about her skill set and so many questions about her. She fought Baszler early in her career, and that was a pretty tough fight. She fought Marlos Kunin a couple times. That's a good opponent. Other than that, Tanya Evinger is about it, and that was on short notice. You can look at the records of some of these people, but if you go back and you watch the fights and look at some of the technical errors made, you're like, they're just not on the Holly Holm level. They're not. And you look at who Holly Holmes faced. And uh, she's fought Valentina Shevchenko, Jermaine Durandamy, Misha Tate, Ronda Rousey, Marion Renault, Raquel Pennington, all back-to-back before she fought Kohea. I'm putting Kohea on the lower level along with some of the people that, that Cyborg fought. But those other people, like Rousey had just one outstanding skill set. Renault, pretty well-rounded. Pennington, pretty well-rounded. Uh, Tate... She she has her her hiccups and things, but uh, Shevchenko very well rounded, Durandamy extremely well rounded, and I thought that Holly Holm, as I've rewatched that fight, probably won that. I think that Holly Holm's resume of opponents is much more impressive than Cyborg, and I can't say that Cyborg has ever fought anybody as good as Holly Holm. I can say that perhaps Holly Holm has never fought anybody as good as Cyborg. Because I, I really don't know yet. We got to see what, what happens with some of these people. Maybe Shevchenko becomes the greatest 125 pounder of all time. Maybe Durandamy goes on some sort of, like, uh, some run at 135. There's been nothing really to indicate that she wouldn't. Uh, Ronda Rousey was what she was, and Holm figured her out. Now, here's the question I have, Joe. I've spoken about this many times about how in old fights in Legacy and, like, her fights for, uh, like Lenny Frazquez or whatever his name was who promoted those those shows. She always looked like she was training for Ronda Rousey. I wonder how long she's been training just for Chris Cyborg. Because she, if she took a fight at 145 in February, you damn well better believe that Jackson and Winkle John were getting her ready for Cyborg back then too. Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. They know they know that this is the fight that one of the fights that Holly Holm uh, could could cement her legacy with. Because if you're the one fighter that defeats Chris Cyborg and Ronda Rousey, oh my God, looking pretty damn good for that, that, that legacy. Nunez, I mean, the Nunez fight ain't far behind if that's the case. Because that's that's what you got to do. You got to build it as like these two monsters. But how how do you think from a from a in cage standpoint, it goes because I've mentioned how much better Chris Cyborg has gotten at working people up against the cage and punching at range. But range is also a specialty of Holly Holmes. Yeah, it's it's I'm it's, I'm very interested to see 
I almost feel like I know what Cyborg's game plan is going to be. Uh, I'm interested more or less on what Holly Holmes' game plan is going to be. Cyborg, as silly as it sounds, uh, and pardon the pun, is almost like a programmed machine. Hunt, kill, destroy, whatever. Holly Holm, though, is a, is a more cerebral fighter. She's going to look at this from a different perspective and try and break down, especially with Winklejohn um, and, 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 you know, I guess Greg Jackson as well. But they're cerebral in terms of taking a look at where the tendencies are for Cyborg, where to capitalize, stick with the game plan, no matter how long it takes to finally get what you need to get. You do, ha- you do not need to switch gears until you finally see your opponents in danger. Have we ever seen Cyborg in danger before? Um, how will anybody react if Holly Holm does land something w- which would rock Cyborg, right? Like Jason Perillo is going to have Chris um, more than ready to just destroy Holly Holm's jaw and put her to sleep. Um, will we see a takedown in this fight? Oh, man. Right? That, that's a good question. And Chris Cyborg's bigger than than Holly Holm too. I mean, I don't I don't think it's by like a significant margin or anything like that. But that factor is probably going to play into things. Yeah. Well, they they have very similar. Actually, Holly Holm has a reach advantage on Cyborg. That's that's a big benefit. We haven't seen a lot of like like we don't see Chris Cyborg submit people. But I mean. I mean, she could submit people with her fists, for the love of God. Yeah. Is, is she capable of it? You know, I don't know exactly how good her, her grappling is for MMA, like, from from that perspective. But I know that when she gets people on the ground, she usually pounds them out with, with pretty good authority. So do, do I think that Holly Holm has the chops to overcome that? It remains to be seen because, like I said, there, there are just so many questions about today Cyborg's ground game. But, I mean, we've seen Holly Holm put to sleep by Misha Tate. So, to say that Cyborg can't get it done, that would be unreasonable in my opinion. So, ooh, this is such a good fight. Yes. And I'm probably going to be missing this whole card due to the time zone change and having to get a ride over to wherever I'll be doing uh, the Ryzen fights. But Fortunately uh, some way, somehow... for you, Fightful.com does exist, and we will have live coverage and discussion. I want you guys <laughs> to come over to that live discussion and chat with me. I will be there in the chat on our page at Fightful.com all evening long talking about it on a live post show with James Lynch. Don't know what I'm going to do for next Tuesday yet. Uh, We have covered pretty much everything in case major news breaks, but we'll figure out something to do then. At uh, Fightful.com's YouTube, we have all the news updates. We have as many exclusives on Fightful.com as anywhere else in the world across pro wrestling, MMA, and boxing. I've got that Fightful Wrestling Weekly that drops on Fridays now. I have a big, big, long-form feature on the NWA coming out soon. I am stoked for you guys to see that. I have interviewed a lot of people about it. Also, all kinds of Royal Rumble coverage. We're going to have rising results. We're going to have everything at Fightful.com. So make sure you all join me. And Joe, in the time that we've started, it's like getting dark here. Yeah, it's going to start here soon, yep. Damn. Damn. Follow Joe at Showdown Joe. Follow me at Sean Ross Sapp. Follow us on Instagram at Fightful Online. We've been posting stuff up there all the time. Go over there. Just click a little follow. That's all it takes. That's all we need. Until next time, guys, head over to Fightful.com. Register. Use those forums. Get the word out. Until next time. We're out.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.